Yes, he tried to introduce me a little bit. I think he was shocked when I said a few things to him. People are seeing me for the first time. My name is Peter Kumar. Yes, most of what he said was true. I was born raised in India in a family which is still 80% are Hindu. So please, Indian, the legacy, the religion, the culture, everything is Hindu. Now, who is a Hindu? Hindu is a person who is willing to call anything God, anybody as God. Anything God, anybody as God. And they are willing to worship anything, anywhere. Very different from New Zealand. Very different. Very different. And they would do anything, anything. If somebody says, this is what God wants you to do. Recently I was in India. Have you ever been to India? You should come. Recently I was in India. Uh, I was there in June in a temple. They boil oil. Please, they boil oil. And they put their hands into boiling oil to please God. And then they put the hands of children. Don't ever go to India. Kids were screaming. Now what would you call that? Ignorance, arrogance, obedience. We can call it stupidity, but they do it in the name of God. They do it in the name of God. Now we can easily call it stupidity, but then they will say, what is your God saying to you? And are you willing to do? Is that a good question? So there's no point saying, you don't do it and I won't do it. (laughs) Nobody wins. (laughs) So when I was watching that, all that God was saying is, I don't want you to do this, but can you do what I tell you to do? Can Can I trust you? Can I trust you guys? Please, again, it's not the first time I'm coming to this church. This church is trusting me. They are giving me freedom. They know I'm not the best preacher. I am not. No, please. I've never been to a Bible school. I don't have a theological degree. When I came to New Zealand, that's what they said. Even my Indian churches, they said, you don't have a Bible degree. You should go to Tauranga Bible School. Four and a half years. Even I dated my wife only for seven months and got married. Four and a half years getting stuck. But I told them, try me. Allow me to speak. Try me. Allow me to speak. They said no. Then they said you should be ordained by a denomination in this country. I was ordained in India a few times. I said, how many times should you get ordained? So they said, you need a New Zealand ordination. I said, suppose I go out. Then they said, you have to come under. Then finally they said, you should start an Indian church. I said, it's better you tell me to go back. (laughs) Why should a man come from India to New Zealand to start an Indian church? 
I mean, even if they suggested start an Indian restaurant, I would have made some money. <laughs> start an Indian church. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please. In India, we don't even go to the kitchen. We don't go to the kitchen. But when I came here, beginning in Auckland, I watched my wife making coffee. It's always instant. We don't go into the refined, brewed, half-brewed, no. So heat the water, pick the bottle, put the coffee, pick the bottle, put the sugar. But I'm slightly smart. I mean, since you asked, anybody who comes to see me, people would come to see me, I would ask them, would you like to have coffee? They'd say, yes, can you make coffee? <laughs> so they will make, and I will have. It worked. But there was a senior pastor of a church, Green Lane Church, I remember. This was 1997, guys. He came. I said, would you like to have coffee? He said, yes. I said, can you make coffee? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I was put on the spot. Anyway, I said to myself, I know, easy. So I put on the thing, immediately the kettle went on. I picked the bottle, picked another bottle. I stirred it up. I gave it to him. I had just had coffee, so I didn't want to have coffee. So he took two sips, and I'm saying, wow. He's enjoying it. And he put the cup down, and we were talking and talking and talking. And then he didn't drink at all. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe the anointing is increasing, the presence of God, angels. But I was still watching the cup, so finally he had to leave. He said, is this an Indian coffee? I said, no, it's a, it's a New Zealand coffee, and I showed the bottle. He said, it's very different. I've never had coffee like this. <laughs> I said, wow, what an anointing. First time I make, and he's never had a coffee like this. So when my wife came back, I boasted. I literally said, don't think only you know how to make coffee. I know how to make coffee. She said, how do you do it? I said, easy, put the kettle, get this, get this. She said, you put this? I said, yes. She said, are you crazy? That's salt. <laughs> then I realized it was not the anointing. <laughs> Anybody want to have a salted coffee? <laughs> My wife was a smart girl. She immediately put labels in everything. Salt, pepper. Guys, yes. We have to learn. We have to learn. Yes. God. God. God would tell you, if I say something, are you willing to do? Are you willing to do? Guys, please. You know, one of the most commodity or a group of people who are challenged around the world is the church. Even in America, nowadays only one-third of the people are going to church. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to go to church. I live in the U.S. Recently, I was in a conference. So I was sitting with people. I mean, I was one of the speakers. 
It was quite a big conference. I was sitting with his preachers, and we were having coffee. How many of you know when preachers get on the stage, they are different? When they're having coffee, they are very, very different. So this man was saying, he's got a church of about 2,000 people. So he was saying, every time I go into Facebook Live, he's a very, very famous preacher. He gets about 70 to 80,000 people viewing him. He's very popular around the world. And then he says, if he raises an offering, Facebook like, even if every person contributes $1, he makes seventy dollars to $80,000. Don't look at me like that. And then he said, but if I open my church, this is during COVID, and the churches were allowed to open. He said, if I open my church, out of 2,000 people, only about 500, 600 will come. And the offering will be maximum $5,000, $6,000. Why should I open a church for $6,000 when I'm getting $70,000 in an hour? Now, you may call him anything, guys. You may call him anything. The Lord told me, Peter, what is happening to my body? What is happening to my body? How can I work? How can I work without my body? Even today in New Zealand, many people don't want to come to church. You go to countdown, many believers will be there. You ask them, how come you never came to church? They'll say, we are praying for the church. There in countdown, counting down. Please, guys, please. I'm leaving tomorrow. You can't touch me. <laughs> I'll fly away. This morning, the Lord woke me up. Of course, Pastor Lisa shared a few things with me. He told me, can you ask the people who come to the service whether they are willing to be loyal to this church or not? I said, I'm not part of the church, Lord. I'm not part of the church. He said, but can you ask them whether they can be loyal? So I told the Lord, you need to give me a lead, you need to give me a lead, you need to give me a lead. And I was listening to the worship songs, and every song is about how we and God are together. And then he said, yes, the offerings, I mean, you could have just said many things, but some of the things he said is being loyal. Guys, please. If you are sitting here, check how, how far your root is going down. No root, no fruit. More root, more fruit. No root, no fruit. 
When I talk about loyalty, please, there are three things, guys. The first thing is the way God defines your call, not the way you define your call. Can you put the scriptures, ma'am? You can put it up? You can. Okay, ma'am, please read the book of Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Read from verse 13 to 20. Acts chapter 26. If you can turn it up, even on the phone, you're allowed. This is a man called Paul. Saul, who became a Paul. And he's saying certain things. Yes. Which uh, verse? 26, 13 to 20. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Thank you. So here is a man who says, Check me out. Check me out. How do you check me out through the vision I got? Through the vision I got. Through the vision I received. Through the vision I received. Please, guys, please. God will only look at you through the things he has shown you. God will only look at you through the things he has shown you. When you read the word of God, God talks to you. When, you read, when I read the word of God, God talks to me. And he says, this is how I look at you. This is how I look at you. This is how I look at you. When I pray, when I pray, when you pray, we think we are talking to God. But God says, no, if you are asking these things, look at yourself. If you are asking these things, look at yourself. We are all taught to pray in a particular way. There was a time, there was a time in India, it was funny, suddenly some preachers taught Indian people to pray for all the children in Africa, particularly orphan children. Please, India has many orphan kids, but some preacher out of the blue. So I heard few people pray this. Anyway, a lady said, Peter, can you come for lunch to my house? I said, why? She said, you prophesied I'll have a big house. I have a big business. God has blessed me financially. I have a very big house. I want to host you for lunch. 
I said, fine. And I was very hungry. I went there, huge house, huge table, full of food, full of food. Now, the way I pray is, thank you, Lord, for the food. That's all. So I wanted to pray. Normally, please. I mean, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm a man of God. I thought, she said, no, we pray together. So the whole family stood up. They all held hands. And she straight away started in heaven. And she's shaking hands with all those saints. Abraham, Isaac, David. And I'm thinking, Lord, come down, come down. <laughs> food is getting cold. Breathe. Indian food, you can't have it frozen. After 22 minutes, she comes down. And then she goes to America, she goes to Antarctica, she's feeding all the penguins. And then she said, Lord, we remember all the children in Africa, all the orphan kids, all those kids for whom there's no food. Lord, you provide for them. You provide for them. You're the provider. By then, 44 minutes. Then she said, Peter, let's have. I said, ma'am, please, send all the food to Africa. She said, why? I said, just now you prayed. Oh, we don't need to send. I made it for you. I said, then you prayed. She said, that's how we pray, but we don't. That's how we pray, but we don't. I said, please, don't make a fool of yourself. Loyalty. Loyalty. How does God look at you? Through what he has spoken to you. Through what he has spoken to you. Saul was a murderer. He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting the church. But God goes to a guy called Ananias. Read for me, ma'am, the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, from verse 9 to 15. Acts chapter 9, verse 9 to 15. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. Thank you. Listen, guys, listen. Many of you don't understand. As I grew up in our families, in our families, Christmas, everybody goes for shopping. Then we have Diwali. Diwali is a famous Hindu festival. 
all of us go for shopping. All of us go to a restaurant. Of course, we never got into the mosque or Muslims. Predominantly Hindus, a few what we call as nominal Christians. Even my dad was a nominal Christian. So they used to take us to church, and I'm the eldest in the family. So my duties are very, very clearly spelt. That means I have to sit at the last row. And I love five bags. So as we go to church, it was the closest place, so we go by walk. So there's a meat shop, there's a fish shop, there's a vegetable shop, and there's a grocery shop. My mom would give me the whole list. So everybody knows me of this family. So I go to every shop, give the grocery list, and give the bag. So this church was a Baptist church. So at the end, they'll sing this song, Amen, Amen, Ah, Ah, Ah. So when they sing that, my mom will turn back. That means go, pick the groceries, pick the fish, pick the meat, come home. How many of you would like to go to church like that? I hated it. I can't talk to anybody. I can't talk to any friends. That's how I grew up. I mean, they were not wrong. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. But I had an encounter with Christ. I saw Christ. But that was again, it didn't change me at all. I was a party guy. My dad was a top government officer. So me and my friends, we used to get crates of alcohol, crates. Not just one bottle, two bottles. And I would bet with them to take the whole bottle. And then they would put me on a motorbike. And they, please, I mean, I'm crazy, guy. This is a huge motorbike, just like Harley's, very heavy. And they would want me to ride in the busiest streets. I'll make hundred bucks with that. It was good fun. So even after I had an encounter, I didn't want to change. I didn't want to change. I started going to church. This was another church. Because all the girls were pretty. Hello? Why not? And then you can shake hands with any girl. And you can ask her to come with you for a movie. In India, please, you can't touch them. It's different culture. They'll kill you if you touch a girl. But go out with her, no problem. And there's always coffee and cookies in the church. In India, people come by fasting. I was very clear. I chose the church, went there. But one day I was just sitting in a small meeting. And a lady walked up to me, and she said, God has chosen you. You're going to go to many countries. You'll go to countries which you've never visited. And then she said, this is what, 1981, guys. She said, in one day, you will be in three nations. I told her, please back off. <laughs> 
this back off. I mean, who do you think you are? I've never even been to the airport. <laughs> yeah, the airport was about 70 miles from my place. It's expensive to go to the airport. Only people who fly, and only one flight in India, Air India. If we go to the airport, it's like a picnic. Never been on a plane. She looked at me. I can be rude. I was rude. He looked at me and said, when it happens, come and tell me. Come and tell me. Come and tell me. About two months back, I was in Melbourne. I took a flight in the morning, Perth. From Perth, I went to Malaysia, uh, from Singapore, four hours. So I went out, had some friends, had a small meeting. Then took a flight to KL, 45 minutes. Went out, had food, had a small meeting. At night, I went to Brunei. Four countries in one day. I'm not crazy, guys. About six, seven years back, I went to her. She was on a wheelchair. She's about 87, 88 years old. She looked at me and she said, who are you? I told her, 1981, in that house, in that meeting, you told me I will go to many countries. It is happening. She hugged me and she cried like a child. And she told me, every year I prophesy to more than 10,000 people. See the prophecy box. So many people call her from around the world. I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. And she said, how come nobody comes and tells me that it is happening in their lives? How come nobody comes and tells me? Guys, please, every time I come here, even yesterday I was in a meeting, a young guy came and said, seven years back you said something, it happened, I need another word. I feel like kicking him on his backside. See, Paul is saying, I received, or I literally, I had to draw a revelation about myself. About myself. Yes, I'm a murderer, I'm an idiot, I'm a Pharisee. I was blind. I fell off a horse. Everybody laughed at me. But the moment I began to realize that I am a vessel of God, I am a vessel of God for my own people, then for people whom I don't know, for many places, countries, he had to go to Rome. The Lord said, you have to stand before kings. You have to stand before kings. So he had to find the place where the kings are. When he went to Rome, he met with a, a governor called Felix. Then he meets with Herod, then King Agrippa. And then he says, can you give me an appointment with Caesar?
If you do not know how God looks at you, then you will be looking at God through your own eyes. Why he is not doing this to me? Why he is not doing it to me? Why is he doing it to my neighbor and not me? Why? 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 The moment you look at yourself, see, please, I'm talking loyalty, guys. Loyalty is a big word. Maybe it's not the right word. There's a transfer of trust. Immediately, God begins to trust you and me more. The second thing, God does not give up. God does not give up. Even after this, I didn't want to believe that I am called to go to nations. I never went and looked at the airport. <laughs> I said, who cares? Or when God wants, in his time, when he says, when he wants to do, I will do. I must have been about 22 years at that time. So I went for a meeting. I started going to all these meetings. Because, yes, people were nice. There were songs. Friends. I started going to some movies. Christian movies. I started getting involved. So I'm sitting in this meeting. Indian meeting are quite big. 5,000, 6,000 people. Normally, I don't go up at all. I was sitting somewhere way back. And the preacher, he's a very, very famous preacher. If he stands up to speak in India, he gets about 200 to 300,000 people. See, India is very big. His name is Dinakaran. He died recently, about six years back. If you go into YouTube, put Jesus Calls India, you will see. So the guy, when he's preaching, he says, Jesus is here. Jesus is walking here. And then he will look at people and say, sir, you come up. Sir, you come up. Madam, you come up. And he can even call out some names and all that. So I'm sitting way back. And I'm saying to myself, this guy is kidding. The New Zealand way, pulling the wool over your eyes. I said, he's telling lies. He's telling lies. And I want to prove that he's a liar. So I went up and I went way behind. This was an auditorium. There was a screen. So I went behind the curtain, somewhere there, that side. So I'm now looking at him. I'm looking at all the people. People are crying. You know, people put up their hands. And they're all praying. And I'm watching from behind and I'm saying, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. If Jesus was here, why can't Jesus come back? Backside. Why should he be only there? The man just turns around and says, there's a young man behind the curtain. God is trying to reach you, but you're not letting God reach you. And then he says, God has plans to send you to many nations. You'll go preach. I didn't believe he was talking to me. So I looked for people. I thought somebody was sleeping there. I'm going to kick the guy's backside and tell him, go. But nobody was there. Nobody was there. 
So I went and told my dad. My dad was a new believer. My dad was so excited. My dad called that man. Those days we never had television. He was a, you know, radio. He said, would you like to come to my radio program and speak? I said, no. He said, why? I said, if I speak, then everybody will think I've changed. I won't change. He laughed at me. He said, you don't know what you are. You don't know what you're going to become. He said, you're going to become like a Moses. And this morning, that scripture, Deuteronomy 34, he said, no one would rise up. But most, I said, back off. You know, in those days, I used to have long hair and beard. And I used to look like an addict. People thought I was a drug addict. Purposely, I would dress like that. So after two months, he called me. He said, I'm doing a big program. Would you like to come and tell people what happened to you? I said, no. He said, please come. I said, why? He said, let people know that Jesus can come and meet people. I said, but I won't change. He said, no, you don't need to change at all. So when I told my dad, I'm going to speak, my dad gave me a script of 15 pages. In the beginning, God created. He wanted me to behave. And he said, please, shave, shave, shave. Put on nice clothes. Put on. I said, forget it, Dad. I went up six, seven minutes. I said, yes. I went there. I didn't trust. I didn't know Jesus was there. I went and stood behind. I wanted to prove that he's a liar. And the man is looking at me. And then I said, this happened to me. And then I said, guys, I promise I will not change. I will not change. He laughed. He laughed. You know, the day before I came to New Zealand, I mean, this started in 1981. After that, I started preaching, teaching, doing all kinds. 1996, the Lord spoke to me about coming to New Zealand. And the Lord said many things about New Zealand, that it's a forerunner nation, it has to carry the fire, it has to have Elijah's. Anyway, I told the Lord, I'm coming. So the day before I was leaving, this man came to see me. He came and said, so you're going to another country. He didn't even know it was New Zealand. I said, yes, sir. So you're going to become a Moses, an Elijah. I said, I'm not sure. I've never been there. He laughed. He told me, you will never change, right? I said, no. But he told me, he said, please, learn to look at yourself through the eyes of God. Through the eyes of God. Through the eyes of God. Even now I'm learning, guys. I'm learning. I'm not the best. God has spoken to you many times. In many ways. Many times. In many ways. We love to receive a revelation. We love to receive a blessing. But every time God gives a blessing, he will look at you differently. What do you do with a blessing? What do you do with a blessing? How is it going to please him? How is it going to bring honor to him? 
how are you going to share it with other people and how is it going to turn the hearts of people i have not been disobedient to that heavenly vision the second thing my brother my sister if you look at the life of paul i mean i don't want to go into too many scriptures he keeps on going he first goes to peter the, the what ananias said is or what god said is first he will be a chosen vessel for my people for my people that means the jews or whatever paul was a jew but he was also a roman citizen like me an indian and a new zealand citizen i qualify hallelujah <laughs> you guys are not happy you are happy see please new zealand is a beautiful country you guys are awesome i live in america i went to a conference my pastor took me and yes all pastors but please america is slightly different so a pastor looked at my pastor and said who's this black guy <laughs> so first time somebody is calling me black Now I was not offended. Please, I'm a very, very thick-skinned guy. I looked at him and asked him, "Are you colorblind?" <laughs> He said, "What did you say?" I said, "You're colorblind." And my pastor said, "Peter, wait, 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 wait." Then I said, "Look at my color. Is this black? Is this black?" He said I didn't want to offend you. I didn't want to offend you. I said I'm not offended at all. Then I said this is brown. I'm a brownie. <laughs> the sweetest color. <laughs> yeah, brownie. So I told him next time you see this color, thank God and say I thank God for this brownie. <laughs> brownie. I'm changing, but after that they asked me to pray for some people. They came here. Apollo, I said, don't even apologize. But I told them, please, what's the point? White, black, blue, green. God is color blind. I asked God one day, what's your favorite color? He said, I'm color blind. Now, why do I say that, guys? Please, going into nations is not easy. when i came to new zealand i was very excited very excited guys please listen to me god told me you will not even apply for a job and you will not start your own business i am a mba master of business administration you know that rosy i am an mba and my daughter was 5 years 4 and a half my son was two and a half and i told god this is not fair i mean how could you just send me to another country and say don't even apply for a job i mean please obedience i asked him why why i shouldn't take a job he explained to me tomorrow i may tell you to go to japan you will go and ask your boss You may tell your boss, "My God wants me to go to Japan tomorrow." What will your boss say? 
पढ़ ले बॉस से दैट्स अ वे आउट टू द डोर बाय सो ही टोल्ड मी आई वॉन्ट वेट जपान वॉन्ट वेट आई वॉन्ट वेट जपान वॉन्ट वेट when i came here people called me an idiot indians please indians screamed at me my own mother in law my own parents they said you're telling lies god will never tell a man don't take a job but i am a slightly i mean i'm a smart man already in india when god told me nations i started traveling to nations around india nepal bhutan tibet so i have some experience how god would take me to nations so when i came here i told okay no job no business how about 15 countries the more you begin to look at yourself through the eyes of god the more you would love to connect with the heavenly vision paul started with the jews the jews hated him they wanted to kill him then he went to the gentiles he went from country to country to country people threw him down people kicked him people kicked him but there were people who honored him the verse which madam read pastor read i will protect you from the jews i will protect you from the gentiles there is a protection there is a protection there is a protection sometimes it's fun guys you won't even imagine i was in vietnam vietnam was very very strict when i went so they told me strictly you cannot preach so it was always in closed doors but people heard about me so there was a vietnamese pastors meeting It's not even a conference, so they asked me whether I can preach. I said fine. So they took me to a resort. I mean, it's a resort near a beach. I don't even know the name. They drove me there, about 200 pastors. So the rule they gave me. I mean, the instruction very simple. They showed a small kid, and they said, when the kid comes and takes hold of your hand, just stop doing everything and run to your room. and don't come out and the kid was sitting there so they prayed and prayed and prayed and they worshiped and worshiped for nearly one and a half hours i'm sitting there then they said peter kumar america indian will share i come up and i introduce myself and three four minutes the kid comes and takes my hand so i said one minute one minute and i'm going on and on now the kid is pulling my shirt i was annoyed i said please give me some time and immediately the organizer came and he took my hand and said go to your room i said i've just started he said go to your room and he literally dragged me to my room i was really angry i was upset anyway i went in i shut the door and i saw all these passes run to the beach and they were taking off their clothes they were all in shorts and they went into the beach into the ocean i'm thinking what's wrong with these guys what's wrong i mean they are not spiritual at all 
They are not spiritual. They are not Holy Spirit filled. They are running with the beach shorts into the beach. They didn't even. So I said, okay, why should they be on shorts? I'll also put on a shorts. So I put on a shorts. I put on my t-shirt. And I went to the restaurant in the hotel. And there were about five, six cops waiting there. They were all sitting there. So I looked around. These cops were all talking in Vietnamese. So anyway, I went and said, hello, how are you? They said, oh, what's your name? Kumar. I didn't say Peter. So why are you here? I just want to do some business. What business? Maybe an Indian restaurant or whatever. And they were talking to me. Then casually I asked them, would you like to have coffee? They all said yes. I ordered coffee. Then I asked them, so why are you here? They said, there's an American missionary here. He's preaching about Jesus. We came to arrest him. First time I thank God for my brown skin. I told him, yes, please, go arrest him. <laughs> you have to arrest him. Protection, guys. See, so many places. I go to so many countries. There is a protection. There's a physical protection. There's a health protection. Please. Please, if you are walking in that mandate, if you are walking in that mandate, Paul says, yes, the heavenly vision. It took him and made him stand before kings. It made him stand before kings. It's easy to say no. You know, recently the Lord said, before you say no, think 20 times. Before you say not now, think 50 times. Before you say I, I will pray about it, make it 70 times. Because I'm praying about it is the biggest excuse any believer comes up with. So I came here, I was waiting in a place. I didn't have a car. I went for a conference, an Indian preacher had come. I didn't have a car, so somebody was willing to give me a ride. 1997, we didn't have cell phones, nothing. So he told me, call, call this number. He was a cab driver. Call this number, they will inform me. They will inform me. I think those days there was a pager, beep, and then I'll come and give you a ride. I had about 20 bucks in my pocket. So I'm trying to call this guy. Anyway, the phone, I'm waiting to make a call, and there was a young girl. She was on the phone for about 45 minutes. So I'm just walking up and down. A man was watching me, this huge man. I didn't like it at all. He came and asked me, what are you waiting for? I said, need to make a call. He asked me, why? It was, I was really annoyed. I said, I felt like saying, what's your problem? I said, I need a ride. He said, where's your car? I said, I don't have a car. He said, okay, I'll give you a ride. We lived in North Shore. I thought he was a cab driver. Okay, I have $20. I can give it to him. 
I said, yeah, go bring your cab. He brought an eight-seater, and I'm shocked. I'm getting ripped off. He's going to charge $200. But every man has ego, right? Tell me, who doesn't have ego? Even if you don't have money, you have? So I thought I'll go be nice to my wife. She was a school teacher, get money and give her. So I got into the car. I started talking about my life, why I came to New Zealand. He dropped me. And he looked at me and said, do you preach? I said, yes. Do you have a suit jacket, tie, shoes? I said, yes. He said, Sunday, I'll send a card. Come and preach in my church. I told him, please tell your pastor I'm a good preacher. I thought he was a cab driver. I'm an idiot. When I went there, I saw he was a pastor with suit jacket and all that. Samoan church. And someone, he was singing so well, like Elvis. And he let me speak. And he straight away announced, the man is going to speak this evening, please come. Of course, there were a lot of healings. That night he asked me, would you like to become my associate pastor? It's an Assemblies of God church. I said, I've never been to Bible school. I'm not ordained. I will not fit. He said, no. I want you to be my associate pastor. I said, what's my role? He said, up to you. You do whatever God tells you to do. But when you're here, help me to build this church. Help me to build this church. And he said, start the English service. He started the English service with six people, six. It became 180 people. But the man, the next week, just when I said yes, the next week, he put me on a flight and sent me to Samoa. Samoa was the first country God opened for me. From there, I went to Fiji. From there, I went to Marshall Islands. New way. I've been to all the small islands. I've never even heard about those islands. Never heard. Never heard. Never heard. God is not a fool, guys. If he has a purpose over your life, he will never give up. He will never give up. He will never give up. Even here, please, God told me a few things. He said, you have to connect with every race, every tongue, every tribe. I didn't know anything about Maoris. In India, we are not taught about Maoris at all. I didn't know many countries in the pollination. I was speaking in a small group in Wellington. A man came and said, you need to come and stay with me. Kiwis are funny. They just take my hand and say, come and stay with me. <laughs> I don't even know him. But then he said, I have a bed. Only one bed, one room. You sleep on the bed, I'll sleep on the floor. But thank God I'm an Indian. We can always sleep on the floor. I said, no, Papa. His name is Terry. Then he said, tomorrow get into my car. I said, where are we going? He said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know Terry uh, Liz? You've not met him anywhere. He's a Maori guy. I don't even know. He's about 75. 
he took me into a marae, first time. And the people in the marae, they looked at me and they refused to let me in. They refused. I mean, I don't know the culture, I don't know anything. And then, some people were there, they said, we want to talk to you. And they made me sit outside the marae and they asked me, why are you here? When I shared my life, they said, please come and stay. Three, four days in the marae, all kinds of people will come. From Wellington, he drove me up to Tolanga Bay. I remember Gisborne. Never been to all these places. I would have stayed in at least 17, 18 marais. Please, guys, the heavenly vision. You can have a job. You can have a business. You can have properties. You can have an anointing. But God will always say, what about the heavenly vision? So if somebody prophesies out of you, take it seriously. If God gave you a vision, take it seriously, please. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. No job, no business. But God is still taking me to many places. Many places. Many places. And this country has honored this man so much. Nobody knew me. Out of the blue, a lady called me from Wellington. Her name is Karen. Gasoline. He said, I'm a widow. I hear about you. I want you to come and share in my house. Four or five people will come. I said, yes, because God told me, connect with people in this nation. He told me, I don't have money. I can buy you a bus ticket. And she said, it's $36. I don't know why she told me. And she said, I can keep you in my house for three days. Fourth day, you have to go back. I said, fine. So, first trip to Wellington, seven and a half hours. I stay in her house. People come. Then people ask me, when are you going tomorrow? How are you going by bus? Can you stay one more day? So those days, to extend a ticket was $2. 21 days I stayed. From house to house. So people started taking me into their houses. And finally some pastors heard about me. They came. I don't even remember who they are. This is in Wellington. The lady was in Karori. Tawa. Johnsonville. I mean, first time I'm hearing all this. So I preach in this church. They opened a Friday, Saturday, Sunday meeting. And then the pastor asked me, when are you going? I said, tomorrow. How are you going? By bus. He said, a man like you should not go by bus. I'll put you on the flight. So here I am. No job, no business. Flying by Ansett Airlines.
I cried, guys. Finally, Paul says, so I started preaching. I started healing. I started opening the eyes of people. I, I, I. Can you read that, uh, ma'am? I think it's from Acts chapter 26. I think it's from verse uh, 16. So, um, so verse 15, so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as, as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Next verse. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. You look at this. He says, I. He doesn't say God. I. I. A lot of people don't like I. So when you receive when you receive a revelation, when you receive even a word, a scripture, a dream, always be willing to step out. Always be willing to step out. Sometimes it's funny, guys. Well, in, the, in, in India, I used to do village evangelism, street evangelism. So when I lived in Auckland, I didn't have a car. We were living in the city. I would just cross the road and I would talk to everybody on the road about Jesus. I was not afraid. I didn't care. Being an Indian was an advantage. Kiwis are very nice people. They didn't know how to process it. Anyway, one guy became very friendly. So two, three times he would come and meet me. And he would always say, I want to come to your house. I want to come to your house. I want to talk to you. So I was staying with my brother-in-law, my wife's brother. So I told him, see, God is using me mightily. So even the, the New Zealanders, they want to talk to me. They want to talk to me. They want to talk to me. He wants to come home. My brother-in-law is a smart guy. He smiled and said, Either he may be a homosexual 
or he may be Amway. This is 1997. I said, no, he wants Jesus. My brother and I said, just shut up. So the next day I met him, he said, I'll come to your house. I asked him, homosexual or Amway? He said, Amway. <laughs> How many of you love to be part of my club? But I still took him home. Yeah, homosexual, I wouldn't have taken him. Amway is okay. So he was giving the whole description about all the product. But I said, please, might? No. Jesus, he said, no. I don't want Jesus. See, listen, please. When it comes to becoming, when it comes to becoming, the easiest thing I can do is let somebody else do it. The church will do it. Pastors will do it. Preachers will do it. Let Billy Graham do it. It is not easy. But if you step out, take the first step. If you take the first step, if you take the first step, you know, I had to learn how to speak English. My English was very bad. People won't understand. I had to. I had to learn how to lay hands on the stick. I had to learn. I had to learn. People walked out of wheelchairs in houses. In houses. In houses. There was a Samoan lady. She passed away two years back. She took me. She's a Catholic. She took me to her priest in Mangare and said, this man has made this person walk out of the wheelchair. Can you do meetings with him? So the Catholic priest asked me, what denomination? I said, I don't know. Which Bible school? I don't know. Can you say Hail Mary? I said, you say it. I'll listen. Anyway, they opened the meetings. The meetings got packed. So one day, please, this is funny. He came and asked me, so Peter, there's a Mother Mary statue there. Should I put a sheet over it and cover it? I said, why? He said, you're not a Catholic. I said, no, let mother watch what I'm doing. She'll be happy. <laughs> it started like that. Now it's going on and on. I had an office in Panville. I had people. Every month I was traveling all across the nation. 2006, the Lord started talking to me. I wanted to move to America. By then, I started visiting the U.S. many times. I told God, why should I move? This is the nation about which you have so much revelation. I want to be part of it. He told me, no, Peter, you've never visited the Caribbean islands. He gave me a list, Jamaica, Trinidad. I've never been there. And then he said, I want you to visit all central and South America, Brazil, and all that. I said, please, there's so much to do in New Zealand. He said, no. You go, visit those nations, but also come and do it in New Zealand. How could, uh, no Indian would imagine to go preach the gospel in countries like Brazil, Mexico, 
It's funny, guys. I was in Mexico four months back. They didn't even believe that an Indian man could preach. I mean, all the Americans go there. They know only the Americans and some Canadians. So they were all looking at me. They said, we don't know whether he can preach again. What denomination, which Bible school. So I'll just share this and close. So finally I heard that there was a Christian missionary who had a restaurant. So I told, take me to the restaurant. So I'm sitting there. I went and asked the manager, can I meet this guy who is a missionary? He said, no, he's very, very busy. He won't come. Anyway, I ordered something, burrito, churrito, whatever, roto. I don't even know how it tastes. I'm sitting there, and there was a, I mean, waiter, a boy, young boy with a big hearing aid. So here I am sitting in Mexico, eating Mexican stuff, watching the hearing aid. So I went to the manager and said, can I pray for his hearing? The manager looked at me. He said, who are you? I said, doesn't matter. Let me pray. Thank God, he immediately started hearing, and he was screaming in whatever language. And then three, four people came and stood and said, can you pray? So I'm praying for these people, one lady who could not walk. One, they don't understand one word of English. I don't know one word of Mexican. And suddenly, in, in about five minutes, a car came, a large car, like a truck. And the man came and said, what are you doing here? I said, ask your manager. And then the manager, I don't know what he said, so he came and sat beside me. You won't believe, I went to the restaurant at 1 p.m. He made me sit till 8 p.m., calling everybody who's sick to the restaurant, feeding them, feeding me, and getting healed. Of course, please, I don't need to be a Benihin for that. Finally, he called his wife. I like that. How do you know a man is trusting you when he calls his wife? <laughs> so guys, listen. You may ask me, why are you saying this? I know many pastors. But every time I come here, on a priority I ask them, can I come? And I always tell them, don't treat me like a preacher. So I started with loyalty. Three things. First, pray for this church. Pray for your leaders. Pray, pray, pray. Check whether you really pray. I'm part of a church in America. My pastor trusts me so much. He says, Peter, just go do whatever. Whatever God is telling you to do. But just be part of our vision part of our revelation. Today I'm here. My life is different, guys. Out of 52 Sundays, 50 Sundays, I'm allowed to go anywhere I want. But he trusts me. And he says, I wish my leaders do what you're doing. Start praying. Number two, participate. Nobody is so busy that you can't give some time. Imagine if God says, I'm busy. Many times he asks me, I'm also busy, Peter. Why should I give you time? 
the culture is coming where people refuse to go to church. And the third thing, please, sow your seed and make that seed multiply. I teach a lot about finances, guys. I teach a lot. I run conferences for people in the marketplace. Bible is the only book which says your seed will multiply 30, 60, 100. Some of us, we don't understand. Come here, sir. I just want to show this. Come here. Put both your hands out. That's right. Like this. What you receive through your paycheck, what you receive through your pension, your retirement, even wins, is a worldly source. It doesn't matter. Even if you're retired, even if you're under a system, it doesn't matter. So it's a worldly source. But you should learn to pick a seed. Pick something from here. Pick a seed. You have to define that seed. You can call it tithe, you can call it offering, you can call it anything. Yes, they all have, they all have an ability. Tithe has an ability to open the windows of heaven. Offering. The Bible says, if you give an overflow, there will be an overflow. God will appoint people to pour into your bosom. God will appoint people to pour into your bosom. Many of us, we don't even want to try. Why? Because we are Kiwis, right? So the church ministry should be supported through the kingdom overflow. Not what you get. Today, yes, still Peter Kumar does not have a job. Does not have a business. But I've told my wife, so into certain places where there will be an overflow. Of course, charity, we have to give. We have to serve the poor. We have to give the poor. But charity is only one element. Without things growing, you cannot make the ministry grow. If you don't grow, you can't make the vision of the church grow. If you don't grow spiritually, this church won't grow. If you don't participate, this church won't grow. And if you don't increase your receiving, if you don't increase your receiving, you can never receive, increase your giving. Thank you. Recently I was doing a conference, and then I called a young kid. I spoke about the prodigal son, and I asked, so the father was there, he's got two sons, one guy. He goes and blows up everything. One guy is a caretaker, and then there were servants. How many of you know the story? So when the prodigal comes, son, the father hugs him and kisses him, and he says, he was my son, and the servants go, and they cook something. I asked a question, in this whole scenario, who can make the father's kingdom grow? It can be a business, it can be a kingdom, it can be a church. Everybody looked at me. One young kid was sitting there, 13, 14 years old. He came and said, the prodigal son, the son who came back. 
So everybody looked at me. Everybody looked at him. I said, how can the son who came back make the father's kingdom grow? He said, he learned how to raise pigs. <laughs> yeah, the father had cattle and sheep, not pigs. So he will start raising pigs and the father's kingdom will grow. I said, he's right. He's right. So please, guys, please, the church will be challenged. In the next one year, one and a half years, the Bible talks about the mark of the beast. The Bible says you can't buy or sell. The church has to create an economy. I'm preaching this around the world. That should be an economy which can be created through the word of God and through your sowing and through your reaping. They have a large vision. Every time I meet her, the vision grows bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm not standing here promoting a family. I'm promoting what God wants to do in you, through you, and around you. In you, through you, and around you. If this man wants to go further in the heavenly vision, what is stopping you? What is stopping you? God looks at you through the vision. God looks at you through what he has spoken to you. What he has spoken to you. God looks at you through how so many people will challenge you. They may even put you down, but God looks at you as a person whom he can defend, whom he can protect, and he whom he can take further and further. But God will also wait to see when you will begin. You have to begin, you have to take it further, and you have to take it further, all the way. Then you will begin with people and stand with kings. Can you softly play the guitars? I want to call some people. I want to pray for you. And then I want to give the meeting to Pastor uh, 